much. I literally cannot express the honor that it feels to be a part of a global family like this. Yeah. It is truly, I genuinely believe that it's one of the best gifts that God has ever given me. I look around the room and I look at all of you. I think of the people who are joining us on Instagram Live, the people who might be listening on podcast. Yeah. And if you get nothing else from this conversation, I just pray that you leave with a fresh revelation of how deeply loved you are by your church family, how deeply loved you are by your pastors, and ultimately how deeply loved you are by God. Truly, he sees you. His hand is on your life. I pray that you really have a fresh revelation right now that he has not forgotten you, that every single plan and purpose that he has for you will come to pass. That's my prayer. But I'm so excited. I honestly can't honor our pastors enough. They are two of the most incredible humans in the world. There's no one as generous, as kind, as pure-hearted, um, as authentic as they are. They've marked my life. They've changed my husband's life. I can't even think about where I would be or who I, I would be if it weren't for being planted in this house yeah. and being under their leadership. So we just love you to bits, Pastor Ilonika. We can't wait till you're back. Also, I feel like I have to preface for the people listening on the podcast. I'm not on a Peloton while I give this leadership talk. I'm just pregnant and I can't breathe anymore. I was like already to begin with probably the least athletic person in any room that I find myself in. But now I feel like I'm like a hundred year old man. So if you hear me gasping for air, those of you that are like in a podcast somewhere, um, I'm fine. I really am fine. Um, but we're going to jump in. Okay, so this thought is something that um, I've been stewing over for like months. And I think it started whenever Pastor Hannah Scott um, brought us a leadership talk about purity of heart. Yeah. And I genuinely believe that that leadership talk not only set something in motion for us as a staff, yeah. Yeah. it not only set something in motion for us as, um, as a church family, but I honestly think globally yeah. and for the future that's ahead of us for what God has planned for us, I actually think that that marked us as a church. Yeah. And it marked me. And so this is something that I've been kind of unpacking. Um, I brought a thought like piece of this to our worship team a couple of months ago. So that's how long I've been like stewing over this. So this is just journal thoughts. Yeah. So it might be kind of all over the place, but I'm really excited about it. We're with you. Okay, let's go, y'all ready? Yeah. Okay, so one word that I feel like people often use to describe our church, you'll hear it all the time, whether someone's come for the first time or someone who's been coming for a long time, you'll hear people say that we're very diverse, yeah. Yeah. which I feel like is so accurate. I love that description because I look around the room that I'm standing in now and it looks like heaven. But I think whenever people use that word, they're often speaking about our diversity in regards to like us physically. Yeah. But something that I love and that's marked me so much is that we're so diverse stylistically. Yeah. We're so diverse in personality. Yeah. We're so diverse in giftings. And yeah. I feel like we're that way because that's how our pastors have led the church to be. Yeah. It's not by default, it's by design. Yeah. And so, so much of this is basically me taking a microscope to our pastors. And it's like basically just me saying, what has made them the leaders that have marked my life? What has made them leaders that has allowed me to feel like I can just come as I am and be myself? Because that's something that I think makes people feel at home here. I think it's something that has marked our church is that people feel like they can be themselves. And so I've been diving into the definition of pure hearted, the definition of authentic, and the definition of genuine, and they're all synonyms. So if you look like on the definition basically on Webster's Dictionary of authentic is genuine. And then the definition of genuine is pure hearted. And so I feel like this is kind of something that God's been unwrapping. So if I had to give this a title, it would be four distinctives of an authentic leader. I will say I discovered last night that distinctives isn't a word. 
So for like my Ramas and Judys of the world, you could say four indicators of an authentic leader, but I like distinctives, so. Four distinctives of an authentic leader. Your iPhone's gonna give you the little red, like that's wrong, but I don't care. Okay, number one. You are the same person in public as you are in private. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13 says, God's word is alive and working and is sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts all the way into us where the soul and the spirit are joined to the center of our joints and bones, and it judges the thoughts and feelings in our hearts. Nothing in all of the world could ever be hidden from God. Everything is clear and lies open before him, and to him we must explain the way that we've lived. Heavy, real heavy. So I feel like our pastors are so pure to their core, and because of that, our church culture is so pure. But I've been thinking so much about how I feel like we can't rely solely on our pastors in order to preserve the purity of our church. They say all the time that as we go, so goes the church. And if you've ever had like a friend who you get along so well with and you really like them and you really admire them and then you see them with a different group of friends and you're like, I don't recognize that person. <laughs> like, that's a completely different person. I feel like that chips away at trust slowly. And I've been thinking about how I trust my pastors with my whole heart. I literally trust my pastors with my whole heart. And so much of that is because I have seen over five years of being under their leadership, they are the same person in every single room, literally every room. It doesn't matter where they are. And so I've been asking myself, are there different versions of me? Like, am I the same person in every single room truly? And then even a practical question that you could ask yourself is like, what goes on your close friends on Instagram? You know, you know how like on Instagram stories you can post like to the masses and then you can post to like a special group of people. What goes on there? These are just practical, just food for thought. Just food for thought. Number two, you live by an open book policy. You have nothing to hide. I have experienced so much freedom. My husband has experienced so much freedom in taking our humanity, taking our mess, um, taking the reality of life, our thoughts, our worries, our fears, our habits, and exposing them to our pastors, exposing them to our leaders. And I feel like the enemy wants to make you think that if you bring something to light, your calling will be disqualified, your life will be over. All of your friends are gonna leave you or judge you. You're gonna be alone. But the reality is, is you're alone when you're in hiding. You're alone when you're in hiding. And the enemy wants to make you feel like your life is gonna be over if you bring something to light. I promise you, I promise you, liberation and freedom and life in Christ is at its best when you have no secrets, nothing to hide. I don't wanna have anything on me. I don't wanna have anything on me. And it's the most freeing feeling. And I do think that you have to emphasize where you take it because like social media is not the place. I have never seen Instagram or Facebook be a conduit for healing, you know? <laughs> like I just haven't seen that happen. Like if my, but if my trash is overflowing in my house, I'm not gonna like bag it up and then take it to the grocery store with me. But I'm also not gonna like leave it in my house and let it fester and stink. You know, I'm gonna take it, I'm gonna take it where I know it will be dealt with. And so, nowhere to take your trash. <laughs> know where to take your trash guys number three number three is you know who you are and you are not trying to be a replica of someone else first corinthians 11 one says imitate me as i also imitate christ i think when we spend our lives trying to replicate or imitate someone else as a whole 
we're kind of settling for a counterfeit version of God's call on our life. And I can't help but wonder if it's even insulting to God a little bit to be like, no, I swear this is this is the right path or like this is working so well for this person. And I think our society now doesn't make it easy to stay in our lane, because if you've ever like, especially on social media, you know, if you see people who are in like the same sphere of you or like the same age bracket and all of a sudden you look around and you're like, they are hitting these life milestones that I never agreed upon. Like, I didn't know that this was the time that we have to do this. You know, you might be like, I attended six weddings in the last six months, and I haven't been on a date since before COVID. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, like, that's very real. But I think that it's a daily practice of reminding ourselves, no, I'm declaring and I believe God's hand is on my life. He has not forgotten me. He cares about the details, and it's knowing that God's blessing is not a limited commodity. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it's not like toilet paper at the beginning of COVID. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like his blessing and his favor and his calling on your life is ready. It's here. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to tick a box. And so I think that so much of um, living in a pure hearted place and living in a place that feels free is you not trying to be a replica of someone else. And that's like spirit of the law, not letter of the law. You know that like I've got a million screenshots of Hailey Bieber outfits in my camera roll (laughs) and Onika outfits. And, you know, like obviously there are people that we draw inspiration from. But I think it's whenever you start to um, dip into a pond that you're not meant to dip into that causes you to be like, oh, this actually isn't for me. So my prayer is that you would have a fresh revelation of how deeply God cares for you. Um, You are where you're supposed to be. Number four is, and this is the last one, your words line up with your true beliefs. Matthew 5, 34 through 37 in the message, and I love the message, but a lot of people think it's kind of fluffy. So I snuck it in here, but if you really want to go NIV, you can go NIV. Matthew 5, 34 through 37 says, don't say anything you don't mean. You only make things worse when you lay down a smokescreen of pious talk, saying, I'll pray for you and never doing it, or saying, God be with you and not meaning it. You don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace. In making your speech sound more religious, it actually becomes less true. Just say yes and no. Just say yes and no. When you manipulate words to get your own way, that's when you go wrong. For those on the podcast, I'm pausing for dramatic effect. (laughs) I will be totally honest. I feel like I'm the former president of the people-pleasing society. I get, I get so well that feeling of needing to say something to avoid confrontation, to um, say something in order to appease someone, to say something in order to not miss out on an opportunity. Um, That's such a real feeling, but it's not the way of Christ. If we look at the life that Jesus led that's exemplified in the gospel, he stirred the pot. He said what needed to be said. Um, He went into rooms regardless if people were going to agree with him. Um, And I feel like I've seen so much favor um, when you just decide I'm going to say what I mean. And I'm going to mean what I say. Um, Because you're doing yourself and you're doing everyone around you a disservice whenever you don't mean what you say. Um, So that's my prayer for us is that me personally, as I start walking through all of this, as I start putting these things into practice, yeah. that we would see a purity preserved in our yeah. church yeah. because yeah. it can't just be on our pastors because yeah. they're walking all of this out day and night. Right. That right. I know right. for sure. 
but are we? And are we helping to be conduits of the culture that God sees for us as a future? Because I'm telling you that the anointing is not going to stop. The favor is not going to stop. People are going to continue to come and encounter God. But can we create a space where they come and encounter something that's pure, that's real, that's genuine, that's honest, that's loyal, that's upright, that's integrous? Um, That's my prayer for all of us, and it's my prayer for me. So that's all I got, but I love you so much.